Ever had that moment where you needed your head lifted? Ever had that moment where you were down and out and felt like there was no hope? That there was nothing on the other side of what's going on in your life? That this is the worst thing that could ever happen and I've got no hope after this? Let me just tell you something, church. He's there. He will lift you up. He will cover you and will get you through it. This morning's sermon is going to grow out of what I didn't get to say last week. Last week we talked about Peter and his courage and his passion. And we went on to talk about him being sifted. We talked about how Peter and Job had both been sifted by Satan. We talked about the first part of the process of being sifted was the thrashing the wheat until the chase is off the stalk. The next step in sifting is called winnowing. It's called winnowing, where the loosened chafe is removed from the, grain, from the grain. That's what we're talking about. When the Lord lifts you up when it's over. Sometimes we, we get so bogged down on the crud of life the hard times, the stuff that's going on, we forget to look for the next thing. We forget, we get stuck, and we think there's no hope. I can't get through this. Why why on earth would God take me through this? Maybe we can learn some of that this morning. Maybe we can figure out why God would allow things to come into our lives. Because we've all had things come into our lives that weren't fun, amen? I have. Had moments in my life where it's just hard. Sometimes we need the next step to keep going. I googled, because that's what you do when you don't know what something is. I googled the winnowing, and this is what it said. The old-fashioned way of, of doing this is to throw the grain into the air. When the lighter chaff is blown off by even a, a decent breeze the heavier grain falls back to the ground below. So then I went, don't really have a good picture of that because I don't know what chaps and flowing and whatever. I'm, you know, not a farmer. But, thank God, there's you two. That's the first part. There's the second. That's the winnowing. wing. I don't know about you, but I still don't want Satan to do that to me. I have no desire for him to beat me down. And then I really don't know how I feel about him throwing me up in the air. Um, Peter denied Christ, and Job lost everything during probably that first stage of just being knocked down and knocked down. Life sometimes just knocks you down, takes your feet out from underneath you, and you're like, I don't know what to do. And then, it's the next part. 
um, it's where life gets just a little bit crazy and out of control. When you're throwing that stuff up in the air, it's just blowing all over the place. And sometimes life feels like it's crazy and out of control. It feels like, I, I, I can't handle this. It's all, it's, there's no rhyme or reason to what's happening in my life. When Paul Ryan was 13, 14 months old, I went to World Changers on a mission trip in Savannah, Georgia. Rachel had recently, obviously, had a baby because we have a 14-month-old. And if you ever know anything about me and how I do ministry, we're, we're a team. We do everything pretty much together. And for the first time, I was about to go on a mission trip without her. I didn't really like that. I didn't like the thought of that. I did not. You know, it, it's just she's always been there with me as we've gone through stuff together. And it was already starting to feel a little windy in my life. Well, then, that day, Rachel, before it was, this was, we were leaving on Sunday, and this was Saturday. Rachel falls down the steps at our house. And she had Paul, sweet little baby Paul. That's not as cute. Paul's cute. Paul was not as cute as your kid. His, your baby's much cuter than he was. He would call one of them ugly, big-headed babies. But um, your baby's pretty. Paul, <laughs> Paul was in her hands, and she was protecting him. And she fell. Our house was pro- a little over. It was really steep and long steps. They were not just like a regular like house steps. It was like. 30 steps, it felt like, from upstairs to downstairs. And she fell on the second one, from the top. And then she, all the way down. And I'm upstairs, and I hear, because that's what you do when you fall. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what's happening in my life? What is about to happen? So I run, back then I could, I run to the steps, and she's sitting there, and she's bawling, and she's got the baby, and she just hands me Paul and says, just take care of him, make sure he's okay. And she, she basically almost blacks out from pain. She had fallen down those steps, but she had protected the boy all the way down the steps, and, but she had bounced all the way down the steps and had, had uh, hurt herself. So I called a lady in our church who... Uh, was kind of like a adopted grandma because you know that's that's what we do because we go to churches and our families aren't there and I got a lot in the room. Thank you, people. Uh, and, and we called them and said, "Hey, can you watch Paul for us? Rachel's hurt and we got to go to the hospital. <sighs> Crazy, no control. World changers tomorrow. Baby, not seems to be okay, but." Still worried. Rachel's hurt. The winds are blowing. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's about to happen. So we go to the hospital and we sit there for seven or eight days, it felt like. We were in the emergency room and uh, it was a very, very busy day in the emergency room. She was waiting to be x-rayed for four Maybe five hours it was that backed up. 
And we understand that's how life works sometimes. And the doctor walked in, and he says to us, well, it'll probably be another hour. Starting to freak out a little bit. Starting to have that moment of, oh my goodness, getting the twitches. And he says, but here's the reality. He said, you've probably broken your tailbone. We could take a picture and make sure. Or I could hand you this donut. Not the kind you eat, but the kind that you sit on. And you, some of y'all are like, why are you giving her food? Uh, let's take his home. You could sit on that, and that'll take care of you. And she was like, well, okay, we'll do that. So we took the donut, and we go home. Now, I'm doing the freak out of, what do I do? Rachel's got a broken tailbone. We've got a baby. We've got 40 students waiting to get on a bus to go on a mission trip to Savannah, Georgia. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I pray about it. And I still go, I don't know. Life's going crazy. Everything's out of control. I'm in the air. I'm being thrown up in the air. And it's all out of control. And Rachel looks at me and says, go. We've got people here who will help me. Go. So I go. Not sure if it's the right decision. Gentlemen, y'all been there? You ever been there like, now, did she mean go? Did she, did she mean go or did she mean sit down? Boy, you ain't going nowhere. So I'm doing that thought process. I'm getting on a bus with a bunch of teenagers and we go to Savannah, Georgia and we have a great time and the Lord does great work. We, do, we put roofs on houses and it was, it was really, really an awesome week. So I get home from the trip I walk in the house and it was a it was a one bedroom apartment that had or a townhouse and I walked into the front room and Rachel had set up like a table as soon as you walked into the living room and it was fancy looking you didn't do a lot of fancy I'm kind of a burgers and diet coke guy but I walk in and there's smells in the house, Mexican smells. My wife had, and if y'all that don't know, Rachel is half Hispanic, and she can make a mean enchilada. She makes her own flour tortillas, and I walk in, and there's like a spread of smells. And I come in, and I go, honey, what's up? <laughs> and she says, come on in. I've made you this big Mexican meal. And I'm thinking, I did the right thing. She missed me. Yeah, baby, how you doing? Yeah. So we have this meal, and I'm sharing with her all those awesome things that God had done that week because we'd seen God move in ways that, that only, well, only you and those of you who've been on mission trip understand. When you get there and you're like, there's no way we can do this, and then God does it, and you're like, praise the Lord. Uh, we had one of those moments, and uh, we're sitting there, and we're... We're talking, and then it happened. She looked at me, and I wrote this down so I wanted to say it right. Uh, she said, now, I don't know about you. Oh, wait, 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 wait. 
When the meal was coming to an end, she said, you ready guys? I have something to tell you. I know, brother. I know, brother. I got that cold chill that starts on your pinky toe and ends at the top of your head of hair, which I had then. And I started racking my brain. What did I do wrong? What's going to happen? Has the baby gotten sick while I was gone? Has this happened? What did I mess up on? Why didn't I, what didn't I, did she leave in me? Is she found a boy who was prettier? Is it, you know what I'm saying? You take it to the worst immediately. At least that's me. Did, you know, uh, did, did she crack more than just her tailbone? Is her spine now d- distorted? And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm freaking out again. Life's starting to get chaotic again. And all of a sudden, she, she has this napkin that's sitting there on the table. And she pulls the napkin off of it. And there's a pregnancy test. I got a 13-month-old baby. She's showing me a pregnancy test. And she says, we're going to have another baby. Can I tell you the amount of emotions that were not great inside of me, y'all? Just to be honest, all of a sudden, I couldn't afford Paul, y'all. We were not, we were, we had no money. We still don't, but we had a whole lot less then. We had no nothing. It was chaos. And now all of a sudden, the one thing that, you know, I'm excited, I should be, I should be all, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my life is turning upside down again. I'm scared. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. And the Lord speaks to me. And he, whew, he reminds me of what we've just been through before I left. How the falling down the steps. How we didn't get an x-ray. How all of these things that could have been destruction could have been the worst thing that ever happened in our lives was now... Okay. It was now okay. Though my life felt like this, all of a sudden, the thing that landed on the ground was the good stuff. The stuff that was usable. The stuff that would give God the glory. The stuff that mattered. That was thrown up was all the chaos. But the good stuff landed on the ground. The good stuff was there. Corrie Ten Boom, many of you know her story. But I, 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 she risked, her family risked their lives by hiding Jews in occupied Holland during World War II. They were eventually found out, arrested by the Gestapo, and sent to Ravensbrück, a notorious Nazi death camp. Corrie survived. The rest of her family did not. She was being sifted by Satan. But now, she gives God all the glory in her life. If you don't know her story, I highly recommend looking a little deeper into her. She is absolutely a woman who went through it. But now, wrote a book 
like I can't remember the name of the book. Anybody remember the name of the book? She wrote a book. Google it, because that's how you find out things in life. You go to the Google machine. Google it. Corey Tinboom. And she gives God the glory for cockroaches that crawled by so she would have something to eat. Her sister... I read this this morning because I was looking over her stuff this morning. Her sister, who died, was sick as could be. And she looked up at the, the guards and said to her sister, I hate them. And her sister said, no, we need to love them. And that's the one that didn't live through it. That's somebody who's sifted. Somebody who's been shaken up but still sees the good on the other side. I guess the best way to say it is this. After the sifting comes the blessing. After the sifting comes the, the, the blessing. If you remember, Job's life fell apart. He lost everything. But look at Job 42, verse 12. It says, So the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first part. He owned 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. Now, blessings don't always look the way we want them to. Blessings aren't always the way we want to see them. Their blessings can be in disguise. Peter became one of the most influential men of the church. Not because of the stuff, because that's kind of what we put blessings on. We kind of think, well, he's got more stuff than me, so he's blessed more than me. That's not how it works. You see, stuff doesn't bring blessing. Stuff is just stuff. And Job got more stuff on the other side. Peter didn't get as much stuff. Paul lost all his stuff. But, he understood blessing. Peter goes on to be one of the most influential people in the new church. That's truly a blessing. Amen? Jesus talks about blessings in Matthew chapter 5. Turn with me there. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So right before church started this morning, while people are looking, this is the commercial break, I went to Max in the back, and I stole a peanut M&M from him. It's right here. I don't know if you can see it as you look, but it's right here. Thanks, Max. (sighs) Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now when when he, Jesus, saw the crowd, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those 
who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Imagine how the crowd's attention was reverted on Jesus when he uttered these, his first word, blessed. This was a powerful word used to those who heard Jesus say that day. To them it meant divine joy and perfect happiness. The word was not used for humans. It described the kind of joy experienced only by gods or the, de- or the dead. Blessed implied an inner satisfaction, an inner satisfaction an inner satisfaction and sufficient and sufficiency that did not depend on outward circumstance for happiness did y'all hear that doesn't matter what's happening on the outside it's what's the lord doing on the inside that should be the mantra of every christian in this world doesn't matter what's coming at me the thing that's inside of me is blessing. We're going to dive into this just a little bit more. So when Jesus said uh, the blessing, he, he was saying, look inside yourself. Look inside yourself and see how you're reacting to me. Let's start with number verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I hear poor in spirit, I kind of think of wimpy, or you know, mundane, or somebody who's, who's poor in their spirit. But that word actually means, the poor in spirit means to be humble, to have a correct view of who you are in light of who he is. You see, when you see the Spirit of God, you look at yourself and go, oh, if you can do that, you'll be blessed. If you can do that, you'll be blessed. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I love that one. I don't know about you, but I've lost people in my lifetime. I've had people that I love dearly die and pass away and to think about the fact that Jesus himself looked at me and said you'll be blessed by me when you're mourning I will be there I will comfort you the Holy Spirit one of his jobs is the great comforter he comes he wraps his arms around you and he says we can get through this Sometimes when we mourn, we forget to look to Jesus. Sometimes we get angry with God. But if we realize who God is, and that He's there, and He's going to walk you through this moment, you can get through it. If you'll look to Him to comfort you, then you can get through it. The problem is, we don't look to Him for comfort. We look to other things. 
We look to, to, to things that the world says should comfort us. Some of us might, might even turn to, 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 to drinking or to drugs or to whatever. But we all of a sudden we say, that's going to comfort me. Well, maybe it doesn't comfort me, but at least it'll numb me. At least it'll make it where I don't feel it anymore. And Jesus said, no. Come to me. I will wrap the biggest arms you've ever had around you. And we will get through this moment. We will get through this hard time. Blessed are those that mourn, for He will comfort you. Blessed are those who mourn, for He is there. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek doesn't mean weak. Sometimes we think of the meek and we go, well, that's just a weakling. That's not what we're talking about here. Meek means mild-tempered, gentle in spirit. Those who think of others before themselves. Man, how awesome would your church be if that's who we all were? What if a sudden we went, you know what, it doesn't matter what I want. I want what's best for everybody. I I want to walk into the house of God and just worship God. Man, what an awesome church this is. And that would be too. Because there's some of us that, you know, there's that moment. Because we're human. Most of you. Thank you. Eric's with me. We, 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 we kind of like what we like. We don't really want to think about what might minister to him or her or him. And that's young and old alike. That's not, we're not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not picking on young or old. We all kind of like what we like. But God said... Blessed you will be if you put others before yourself. Blessed you can be if you'll say, what he needs matters more than what I need. Then you can see the Lord. Then those blessings will be poured out upon you. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Righteousness. Like, tell me what the word righteousness means. I've told you a thousand times from this pulpit, young and old alike. The word righteous means that which is. Thank you. One of whoever. Did you say it, Rachel? Thank you, baby. See? We're a team. That which is right. Hey, church. There's only been one thing that was right, and his name was Jesus. Now, you put that into that moment. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Jesus. Woohoo! You talk about being blessed. Hunger for Jesus. Make Him that thing that matters the most that you're striving for all the time. All of a sudden, instead of the stuff, you're striving for Jesus. And now, you can be filled. You'll never be filled by stuff. You won't. You can have all the coolest stuff. But without Jesus, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. Let's keep going. We're almost done. For those of y'all that are getting sleepy, hang in there. It's almost over, I promise. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is stated a little a bit differently in Matthew six fourteen. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Let me read that to you again. 
For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We forget that one a lot. Because you know what? He said something about my mama. Don't talk about my mama. I'm not forgiving you. Don't sin against me. I come at you. Come on. Come on, Cletus. Come on. You know what I'm saying? We get bowed up when somebody comes at us. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. He said, when somebody comes at you, you forgive them. Because the reality is, I want to forgive you. And when you look at what you've done to the Lord, it's a whole lot easier to forgive somebody else. It's a whole lot easier when I think about all the times that I have let the Lord down. That I can really, really, you know what, uh, you know what, you can forget to help. Talk about my mom. You can forget about stuff. It's all fine. Because I destroy the name of Jesus all the time with my actions. People are looking at you. They're seeing what you say and what you do and going, do those align? Kind of like talking about your mama a little bit, isn't it? If we will start forgiving others like Christ has called us to be, if we'll forgive others like we've been told to, then the Lord will forgive you. And that's what we want. Amen? That's what I want. And when I look at my life in comparison to where, where the Lord has called me to be, I start to easily forgive others. Y'all can go out here and go, that was the worst sermon I ever heard in my life. I'll be I. I'm not too worried about it. Not even a little bit. Lord, put me here. Lord, take me out. I'm good either way. Whatever He wants. Not what you want. Not what I want, but what he wants. That's what it's about. We're almost done, I promise. Matter of fact, let's do this. Let's look at these last blessings all together, all right? Let's grab all the last ones right now, and we're going to stick them together, because some of y'all are going, well, he's only on six, and there's ten. It's going to be all right. We're going to grab these, we're going to shove these together. We're going to put all these into one. Verse 8 through 12, here we go. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look at verse 8 and 9 real quick. That's what happens when we ask Jesus into our heart. When you ask Jesus to come into you, all of a sudden you can be those things. You can be that, that person who, you could be pure in heart. It's the only way you can be pure in heart too. Did you know that church? You can't be pure in heart of your own, but through Christ who purifies us, you can be pure in heart, which is your call to be pure in heart so that you might be blessed. You can't be that till you ask Him in. You can't be that. The only peace in life you will ever have, hear me now, only peace in your life you will ever have will come from Jesus. 
that salvation moment, that moment where all those things of the world become just a thing, is in salvation. Then you can be a peacemaker. If you don't have peace, you can't be a peacemaker. But when you become a person of peace, all of a sudden you can make peace with others. You can get that stuff out of the way and you can be blessed. You can be blessed as God has called you to be. Verse 10 through 12 refers to a life after being saved. These verses talk about how when the world comes at you for being a Christian, that is a blessing. Man, that's not easy, is it? When they, when they come at me, I don't want to say it's a blessing. I, I, I really don't. I, when you come at me, I want to come back at you. <laughs> but when I'm saved, when you come at me for loving the Lord, I'm okay with it. You you come at me and say and say you are too godly. Good. I'm okay with that. You tell too many people about Jesus. Okay. Or or I watched you at that place and and you didn't take part of us cheering that way. Good. When they started the ugly chant, you just sat there. Good. When you live a life for Jesus. You're going to be persecuted. People are going to come at you and they're going to try to tear you down. They're going to try to say that you are not worthy. And you know what? You're not. But He is. And when we get that and see people coming at us, not as an attack or a moment of chaos, but as a true blessing. When we see those moments as blessings, all of a sudden, blessed are the people of grapevine. Blessed are you because you are pursuing Jesus. Blessed are all those who seek Him. Peter was a blessed man. But his life wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, I'd probably say it was hard. How many of y'all know how Peter died? Well, Peter went around telling people about Jesus. They didn't like it. So they grabbed him. And they were going to crucify him for sharing the truth of Jesus with people. And Peter went, that's okay. But here's what I want you to do for me. I'm not worthy to die the same way my Savior did. Turn me over. Crucify me upside down. Because only that which was right, the righteous one, deserved to die that way. I'm not anything compared to him. I'm just seeking him. Blessed was Peter amongst all men. Blessed was Peter in his bad time. Blessed was Job when it all was over. Matthew 6.20 says this. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not, do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Store it up in heaven. Get your stuff up there. Don't worry about it down here. He's got you.
He loves you. As we read the blessings Jesus outlined in Matthew 4, we find that they represent an outlook radically different from the world. Radically different from the world. The world praises pride, not, not humility. The world endorses sin, especially if it gets you away with it, if you can get away with it. The world is at war with God while God is seeking to reconcile His enemies and make them His children. We must expect to be persecuted if we are living as God wants us to live. So, Grapevine, you ready to count your blessings? Let's pray. Lord God, help us today to serve you better. Help us to be who you've called us to be. God, I ask that you would bless us as a church and as individuals. Lord, that that we would be willing to go through the hard times so that we can get to the other side with you. Lord, I thank you. This altar is going to be open here in just a minute. If you need to do business with God, don't sit there. Get up and do your business. If you've been busy, consumed with yourself, do business. If you need to just come down here and say, Lord, I love you, do it. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't play with that. Come and ask him into your life so that you can live forever with him. Lord, move in this room right now. We love you, Jesus. Let's stand and sing.